On the Lollygaggers podcast, we're considering a new post credit segment where we share sounds of our pets vomiting. I mean, it worked for Disney. In this episode, Justin and Jeff break down Captain Marvel, wish for more of its exotic locales, and question why it took so long to get the movie in the first place. During the Gentleman's Challenge, Bushwhacked is rejected cult classic status, while Abbott gets haunted by a brutal serial killer. Welcome to episode number 47 of the Lovely Geigers podcast, the show about all sorts of different things, from comics to games, movies to TV. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the other one, Justin. How's it going, man? It's going all right, man. I am on spring break, so feeling good. Uh, but of course, I had to go to work this morning anyway, but that was that was fun. Uh, but, uh, so you remember, you remember Welcome to Night Vale? Remember that podcast? Yeah, uh, I saw your little tweet, and I thought it was interesting. So, Melissa and I, uh, my wife, uh, she and I went to a live show of Welcome to Night Vale this past Friday, uh, where they do kind of like about a two-hour thing with, a, you know, musical guest that also dovetails into their weather uh, segment. If you remember from the actual podcast, they do a weather segment, and that weather segment is basically music. And it's pretty cool, man. It's it's like a self-contained story, but it has all, all you know all the same people, and it's just sort of like a live, almost like theatrical production. Um, it's like a cross between that and sort of stand-up because there's not like a huge set design or anything like that. Uh, but it's scripted and it's pretty funny, and it's got a self-contained story at the same time. It has all that kind of wacky weirdness that that Welcome to Nightville is known for. Uh, so I don't want to spoil it because they specifically tell you not to spoil it. So I can't say what it's about because there's uh, they're they're still doing more shows. Uh, but it's really good, and if anyone ever has a chance uh, to go uh, do a live show, so if you ever get one coming to like Orlando or something, Justin, uh, you should go do it. It's it's pretty fun, and and the tickets aren't particularly uh, expensive at all. And I was actually really uh, really impressed with the the musical guest uh, Dane Terry, uh, who also has a podcast called Dream Boy. I think it was called. It's on the same network as Welcome to Night Vale. But it was a really really fun little uh, little event. It was like a delayed birthday present. I got her tickets like a, a while back, but. Uh, you know, we went and it was a lot of fun. So definitely, definitely take a look. And Justin, what are we going to do our live show podcast episodes of us, you know? I think nonsense? we'd have to be able to fill a, a janitor's closet before a, an auditorium. So we got to work on our numbers first, I think. Pretty sure, though. But we'll get there. I we'll think get there. that part of the live show should be like an obstacle course. Like we should have like a physical obstacle course that both of us have to go through <laughs> while <laughs> also doing the show. <laughs> so the other thing I did, and I know you did this as well, is I went and saw a movie yesterday uh, called Captain Marvel. Perhaps you've heard of this, Justin? Uh, I think it's it's a little indie film. Uh, made by Marvel Studios, so um, well, I guess we'll have to right, look into right. it. I, I feel like we should... Let's break it down. Yeah. It's the movie. Breakdown. Captain Marvel is the newest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe following the origins of the titular superhero. Uh, the movie begins on the planet of Hala, the capital of the Kree Empire, so we're in space again. Uh, Veers, played by Brie Larson, is a member of the Star Force, who has been having these strange dreams that are strangely involving Annette Benning in a location that vaguely looks like uh, Top Gun. Uh, due in part to these dreams, Veers, uh, Veers has been having some trouble going through training, and both her mentor, whose I think name is Jan Rog, but I, I don't know, I, don't, I never really remember. All I know, it's played by a surprisingly swole uh, Jude Law. Uh, and the Kree's AI leader, who's known as the Supreme Intelligence, both of them believe that it's Veers' inability to control her emotions uh, that has been limiting her development and her use of her magical superpowers. Uh, so during a mission that happens relatively early into the movie, Veers is captured by the Skrulls, who is one of the chief enemies of the Skree people who are currently engaged in a war with them. Uh, and those scrolls begin to probe her mind, and they're looking for some sort of piece of hidden information uh, that might be embedded in those dreams. Veers breaks, free, breaks away from this particular uh, imprisonment, and she ultimately escapes to Earth, specifically through the rooftop of a blockbuster video uh, in 1995. You probably saw that in some of the various trailers. Uh, and it is there and then that she meets Nick Fury, who is played by Samuel Jackson once again. And together, the two of them try to prevent these shape-shifting scrolls from overtaking Earth. And more importantly, uh, they try to unlock the secrets that are hidden away in Veers' dreams. 
Now, we're going to try to avoid uh, major spoilers of the movie, but we're undoubtedly going to spoil some things. I've only briefly touched on a few things here and there, and all that was basically the first 20 to 30 minutes of the movie. Uh, but if you want to go into Captain Marvel completely free of our nonsense, uh, make sure that you go watch the movie yourself and then come back and listen to the episode and think about how wrong we are. Uh, so, Justin, what did you think of Captain Marvel? I think, like usual, uh, because I'm a homer, I think it, it's it's best for you to start off first um, because of uh, my skewed view of things. So, again, I will I will counter with a, my own question, Jeffrey. What did you think about Captain Marvel? Okay, so there are things I liked about it, and there are things I I didn't. I did, actually, there's probably nothing I didn't like about it, but there's there's only a handful. I mean, there's things I liked about it, but then most of it was just sort of like indifference. I think. Um, I read. I was reading this Reddit thread, and somebody encapsulated my thoughts really, really well. This would have been a great movie in like the whole Marvel franchise, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is if it if it came out ten years ago. But agreed. like, agreed, considering agreed, where agreed. we are now, it just feels so anticlimactic in a way. Um, but at the same time, I love the fact that we have a female superhero. I love the fact that that's what they're exploring over and over again throughout all the various characters and the various instances of these characters interacting with one another. So many so many things in this movie that you can feel really good about. There's that wonderful montage when you're seeing like like the montage of, of Veers kind of going through when she was younger and how all the time she got knocked, back, knocked down and she kept getting back up or how many times people had a tendency to sort of you know, discount her in some way or say that you need to prove something to me. And she's like, I don't need to prove something to you. Uh, all that stuff is great. I, I absolutely love it. But at the same time, like in the in the, the position that we're in currently in the Avengers, the Avengers storyline here, the Infinity War storyline, um, this felt this felt really poorly timed. <laughs> like it just didn't it didn't quite click. Um, there are moments in the movie that I think are quite funny, and usually those moments uh, involve Samuel Jackson surprisingly as Nick Fury, because uh, I think for the most part in the movies that we've seen thus far, Nick Fury doesn't usually play kind of the the comedic relief, but strangely enough, he does. And, and, and part of that is because it's like pre eye patch, Nick Fury, pre shaved head, Nick Fury, pre badass Nick Fury. Um, but it's still kind of funny. Their back and forth is really endearing. And I like that. Um, there's also a really sneaky, great role, uh, played by Ben Mendelsohn, who, uh, who was, Oh, I can't remember. He was the villain from, um, from rogue one, whose name I'm completely forgetting. Uh, he's also but- in, uh, the, the movie with video games and eighties stuff. What is that? Uh, the one he didn't like that has, uh, we will Wheaton do the voice of, of the audiobook. ready player one villain. Yeah. Ready, ready player one. one. I still haven't actually watched that. Uh, but Ben Mendelsohn is, uh, is also, he plays an absolutely fantastic role in, uh, the Netflix television show that's now been canceled, but still available, uh, called bloodline. But he was really, really good in this because he was both kind of villainous, but also hilarious at times. Like, there's some really funny moments and then some really emotional moments. So, like, there was this huge gamut. And I think, like, he was, like, super sneaky good. Uh, the other person I really liked in this was Lashana Lynch, who played uh, Maria Rambo, I believe. That's what her last name was. Who is one of the friends of Veers or kind of the pe- person that keeps kind of showing up in her dreams. Um and I thought that that particular combination, while not necessarily have the slapstick funny part of it, actually was the heart, in to some degree, like of the actual movie itself. Like, there's a lot of good feeling, a lot of good emotional connections and ties that are actually happening in this, which is really nice. But again, in terms of the plot of the overarching thing, like it's just I don't know. Like we're seeing, you know, we're seeing characters or we're seeing factions that we've already seen before and some storylines that have already been resolved. You know, so like Lee Pace, who played Ronan, for instance, I wanted to see more of him. Shows up in this movie. Lee Pace is great, but he only shows up basically in like these little tiny miniature versions of himself as they're communicating long distance, and then maybe once or twice at the end. Um, but. For the most part, he's not there, but we all remember him because he he was he was the the villain of the Guardians of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, right? Like he was there, and so we see the Scree again. You know, the most of them are blue people, but some of them aren't. I I still don't quite understand that. So we get a lot of the things that we've seen before, but at the same time, it's one of those issues where it's almost like a prequel, and it's like a prequel that I feel is just as we're all. I mean, I, I maybe I'm speaking. I'm I'm sure I'm speaking for everybody. But just in terms of timing, it just felt poorly timed. Now, if this would have come out, and I wish it would have, like in the same vein as like the original Iron Man and the original Thor and the original Captain Marvel or Captain uh, Captain America, if it was in that kind of a you know original set, 
and so that we were actually tracking this along with the others that would have been great it would have been i mean honestly replace the hulk movies like that would have been so good take the hulk out and put captain marvel in instead and that would have been fantastic like i would have been all over that you know but it's just it feels sort of poorly timed um now it's still a good movie like if you still actually watch the movie completely and utterly independent of this you take away the context of that surrounding it i, I still think it's actually a really strong movie in many regards uh, I do think there's a great message behind it. I think it looks great. I think her powers are cool. I think when they let Brie Larson, and by they, I mean like whoever's making the film, when they let her kind of just, you know, be herself, like it's an awesome movie. Like the the opening 30 to 40 minutes is, you gotta, it, you kind of gotta, gotta work your way through it. Cause I think it's actually, actually not a great start to the movie. Um, especially the first 15 or 20 minutes when you're just like, where the hell are we? what the hell's going on? Like, why do I care about these people? Like, it takes so long to really, like, get going, you know? So once she does actually break free away from the scrolls and gets onto Earth, that's when, the, that's when the, sh the movie really gets going. And that's a good 20 to 30 minutes or so in. And I feel like it took a little bit too long, uh, which is a shame. And then I also felt like in the beginning, it was, it just, it, it just, I didn't know where we were. I mean, I, I knew who the Shree were, obviously, but I didn't really feel like an immediate connection to like the actions and the situation of the storyline. And so I thought that was kind of eh, kind of troublesome in a way. Um, but at the same time, once it got going, the movie itself became very good. And then I think there were some interesting twists and turns, like some surprises here and there. Uh, more than once, there was a person who you thought was the villain or a villain ended up not necessarily being a villain. And then maybe a person who you thought might have been a villain or might have been a, a friend or a villain or, you know, there's like a lot of like changing or, or shifting loyalties throughout the movie, which is really nice. Um, and so not everything was completely and utterly obvious, which was great. Um, so, I mean, overall, I like the movie. I mean, I would say like to kind of round out my opening thoughts here is that I do think it's a good movie. I wonder, I mean, I think it'll stand the test of time really well. I think it's probably been given a little bit of a disservice for when it's being released relative to it being a month before Avengers. Considering how we've had such a huge gap now between the Avengers movies, this could have been like a Christmas movie and or something like that, you know, and it felt like we would have had a little bit more time, like at least to sort of savor it for a bit. Or maybe if it would just, if they would have just been more willing to actually take a superheroine instead of a superhero, uh, earlier on in the in the run, maybe if if we weren't being so like so so insistent on seeing kind of the male dominated superheroes throughout the their origins of the the cinematic universe, I think it probably would have done a lot better um, in my mind. So yeah, it's a good movie, and I feel like the biggest problems I have with it have nothing to do with the movie itself, but have everything to do with the circumstances surrounding it. Does that make sense? I'm not sure if that made sense. Yeah. Um, mine are kind of similar. Um, I thought it was fine, uh, but it's very by the numbers in Marvel uh, standpoint of how like they make movies, which is disappointing because recently they've had a run of really good non-by-the-number stories, right? So like Thor Ragnarok is not a by-the-number story, Ragnar not a by-the-numbers movie. Fun and interesting. They gave a, a film to Takai Waititi, and it made uh, you know a weird world. Um, same with like uh, Infinity War and uh, Black Panther. Even though Black Panther was still a little bit by the numbers, it kind of, you know, with the message it came with, it kind of like obscured it a little bit. Or even um, with uh, Ant Man, not near necessary like the second one that came out, not not necessarily a by the numbers book. So I, I think if like you said, it came out ten years ago, it fits really well with these uh, like origin stories. I think at times the characters are a little scattered and confusing. Uh, this movie was done by two directors, so I think the direction of what was going on was interesting sometimes and also inconsistent. Um, there was times where Brie Larson was fun and interesting, but other times she was robotic and, and cold. It's almost like there's... I agree with that, yeah. yeah. It's almost like they're trying to do like a whole Jedi thing with them. You know, you know, if you want to be in control as a Kree, you have to kind of like uh, negate emotion. But it's almost like when she... I feel like you had to pick a side. Either have her be cold or have her be rebellious and always rebellious. You know what I mean? Which I which I think when she was rebellious and interesting or, or, or like wild and stuff like that first fight in the Kree ship or in the scroll ship, I thought was great. Where she's like, 
yelling and stuff. I thought that was great. I thought she was super That part charming. where she roared at the scroll was hilarious. It made me laugh. Yeah. Just, I thought she was... Randomly just roared at the creature. Yeah. It was hilarious. But, like, it was very inconsistent. Like, there was that, but then there was also her just kind of being robotic and emotionless. And I wish they would have picked one way or the other. Or maybe, like, if they would have picked remo- emotionless, maybe have her develop her emotion throughout the story. But it was very scattered as to what they were doing. I think that was the intention, though. The idea, like because I, I really the supreme intelligence and then and then jude law are, are basically telling her you know control your emotions control your emotions control your emotions right and this is all about her access to her powers and like over the course of the movie by the end we realize that as she becomes more in tune with her emotions and her identity and who she sure. is and that kind of stuff like that's the intention i just don't think that i that, don't think it was that arc well. was as smooth as it could have been yeah like that is clearly what they were doing and that's the metaphor being done but it wasn't executed well with what they were doing. And I think it has a lot to do with either it be writing or direction was very strange at times. Um, the one big complaint I had to say about this movie though, which is I'm starting to get tired of with Marvel movies in general is I feel opposite of how you felt in the beginning of the movie. I am tired of these Marvel movies going somewhere and then staying there for three minutes and then going back to earth. Like I get, I'm getting tired of that. Like, uh, when you first saw Asgard, Asgard was amazing. I love the idea of Asgard in this mystical world. But they spent like five minutes in it, and then the rest of Thor was on Earth, right? It was in uh, New Mexico. Um, when you talk about uh, Black Panther, you spend about maybe ten minutes in Wakanda, but a lot of it's taking place in South Korea or Compton or other little areas like that. And it's for reasons, but you still don't spend a lot of time exploring that universe. I think I think you're in Rakanda a, a decent amount, actually. Like, I mean, I, I totally agree with the Thor one. I think that's true. But I do think we see a lot more of Rakanda. Or, yeah, Rakanda. I was about to say Rwanda. I'm like, no, that's the real one uh, than, than, than Thor. So, I, I mean, but I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And also, like Thor Ragnarok, at that point, we have established Asgard. We spent plenty of time there. I want to spend that whole movie on Battleworld. That's where I want to spend the whole movie. And these interesting, cool places, they don't follow. The one series that does stick in those areas is the Guardians of the Galaxy places because, like, Tim Gunn's willing to make those risks of, let's get weird, right? The whole first movie wasn't on Earth. The whole second movie uh, was on a planet that was a human, right? Or was, like, a a being. Like a living thing, yeah. Yeah, and it was interesting and cool, and I want to explore those things. I want to spend more time on Halal, or Hollow, however they said it. I wanted to see more of that Kree world, that Kree universe, and maybe even where the scrolls were, or that place they, they visited. But they just find themselves going back to freaking Louisiana. I get they're trying to create a relation to the audience, but how are you going to have this cool steampunky place with interesting characters and then just show up for five minutes and then leave? That's the only thing I really have to complain about these movies lately. Is like, let's stick in these really cool little areas. I think mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with they're trying to this is the new flagship this is the new main character this is our new tony stark right so if this is our new tony stark we have to have a nice strong foundation nice strong base and then we can maybe get weirder with it and build on it later on but i think we've gone so far past that formula now with these really cool interesting stories like spider-man wasn't wasn't your normal formula they started like six months after he was spider-man you know what i mean um and so like for me i think I just expect more out of these films because they've come so far in their development of how they like their formulas. It just seems like they've gone back a few steps with this. Still, was a good movie. So but when it comes to that type of stuff, I just I just am a little jaded with. Well, that, I where guess. I have some pushback on that is is there's work that they have to do with this fran- with, with Captain Marvel as a franchise because most people probably don't know who Captain Marvel is. Whereas Spider Man, like even if. You know, I've never heard of him like, before. Like Spy- I, everyone's everyone knows Spider Man. It's it's he's a ubiquitous superhero at this point, right? Like it's a, it's even if you don't watch the newest iteration with Tom Holland, you've seen like you know the Tobey Maguire version or the Andrew Garfield version or or some other version. Like you know the storyline. You don't. We don't need to kill freaking Uncle Ben every single time. Like we get it at a certain point. So like I understand the need for a superhero origin story to some degree. I just. I, I just question its placement, right? Like when you're, when you're right on the cusp of like, like this huge, crazy resolution of this Infinity War, which is completely gonna under, you know, undercut everything that happened in the first movie. But whatever, uh, like it's just sort of strange to place it here. But I get why they do it. I agree and because with you. I think also too, like she's a MacGuffin. She is the she the, the which they do a really good job of showing at the end of the movie, like 
how powerful she really is. And the whole thing where like she uh, does that like fist bump into her hand and like the reaction that she gets after doing that, you know, kind of just describes, let's get the hell out of here type of thing, you know, like I like that, but it's almost like they're just putting it writing on the wall, which is the issue like I had with like the DC movies. Like, why do we have to have a guard dog to save us? Let's what what made those movies better is, is let's work as a team to solve the problem. You know, even though obviously the last time the team thing didn't work, Star Wars screwed it all up, but you know. So, okay, so a couple things, like the location stuff, I agree with you. Like, I am so tired. <laughs> okay, first of all, I'm just tired of superheroes. Like, I just, I'm just done. <laughs> like, I'm just so, like, utterly tired of them. Like, in general, um, I, I just, I feel like it's a, a market that at this point is oversaturated for me. Like, I've, I think I've hit critical mass and I, I kind of need a break. Um, and that includes like watching, reading, whatever. Like I'm just, I'm just sort of tired of it. Now I always like Guardians of the Galaxy the most because I don't really consider them superheroes, and I think that's one of the reasons why. It, like they don't. I mean, they're they're a ragtag group. They're a bunch of assholes. Is what they're yeah, assholes. and like, and, and while they have like various powers, they're not like these superheroes that are swinging from rooftops or flying here and there, right? So, I, I, I definitely. I definitely wish that there were fewer <laughs> superhero movies so that as we can start to appreciate some of the really good ones and that we can actually spend more time with like the Captain Marvels and stuff like that. So like, but I think that's less Captain Marvel's fault. And I think that's more of, do we really need that many Spider-Man movies? Do we really need that many Thor movies? Like, do we really need that many Iron Man movies? Now you mentioned before that Captain Marvel is sort of taking over as the lead instead of Iron Man. I am all for that. I love her so much more than I love Iron Man. I can't stand. She's Iron very Man. charming in this movie. Yeah, like the, totally. The previews do not give justice to her character the way she acts it out because Brie Larson is fantastic in this film. Mm-hmm. And the, the previews, yeah. I'm like, she looks like a robot or a zombie. But then in the movie, she's just really fun and exciting to to watch. I really enjoyed like every scene that she was in. She was somebody that I felt like I could root for, whereas like Iron Man, I never wanted to root for him because he was always, I mean, honestly, he was a, he's a freaking asshole. Like, I just, I can't, I don't like him. Like, and he's just, he, it's just too much. It's just way too much with him. It is a, a bit ham fisted at times, though. Like, I get it. Like, keep on getting up, don't quit type of thing. That, that is a, that's a good message. But, but it's though, a good man. message. That's, it's a good, that's message. a good message. That's like, it's a good message. But like, the moment yeah. you were talking about with, with the montage of the standing up, it did, it, it resonated with me. It was good. Um, but like, you know, if I'm a more cynical human being, I might be like, man, this is dim. Like, I thought it was, I thought it was very well done. And on top of that, this movie was also a giant allegory for, uh, Border Patrol, which I thought was, they like literally spelled it out at some point in the movie. Like, we can't just protect our borders. I'm like, okay, there we go. There it no, is. I mean, that's actually true. Uh, I really definitely saw that as well. Um, okay. So a couple other things I would say about. Like, the movie just on its own, like, just, just looking at the movie itself. So, I am so tired as well. Uh, okay, no, I, that's a bad way to start. Let me start this way. You're right about the whole idea of, like, her being the MacGuffin, like, in the sense that she's just the the thing that's going to come back and, like, this is what stops, right? But it's really sort of frustrating to me. Like, it's 1995, right? And she's dealing with the, the, the scrolls who are, and she used to, be part of the Kree, right? And she's out in the universe somewhere. But for some reason, she never got involved up until this point in the whole stuff going on. Now, I really hope that's addressed in, a, in like, the next Avengers Infinity War. Like, why has her happened? Like, she's been gone for 24-ish oh, yeah. like, why, years, 23 why years. Why was she not called sooner? You know, like, there was an alien invasion on New York. Uh, exactly. There's a just, super robot was trying to destroy the planet. You know, we should probably call someone by now. It's just, to know? me, it's a plot hole. Like, it's it's sort of a plot hole to me. And maybe it's because they didn't plan to do Captain Marvel, like, t- t- 10 years ago. Maybe this is no, just sort of no, like... No, 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 no. No, they know? definitely planned it. It's all the Oh, yeah, this is totally planned out. But, yeah. And then I'm really confused about the Tesseract. Uh, I don't really understand the way that's changed hands. If you stay all the way to the end of the credits, to the very, very end of this credits, you, you see it. I a, think that was... Stupid. In the past. Stupid. I don't. No, think I, that I was... agree. I th- I think it was in the past as well, but like I I kind of yeah I don't understand the sort of how that worked out like in terms of the timeline of that. So those are a couple of things that sort of, that kind of kind of bothered me. Um, I feel like okay, there were moments where I was very confused about her powers and how strong they were. Like there were times 
She's like blowing up like ships and missiles and crap like that. And then she hits somebody and they fall down. I'm like, wait a second. Like, how did that not just like rip them in half? And it's the thing that I've always been, I've always struggled with when it comes to superhero movies. Uh, it sort of reminds me of like Lord of the Rings with with Legolas, who's just like falling 50,000 feet and swinging this way and that. And like everything, like no one ever gets hurt. No one even gets a scratch. You know, it's just, I always, I always have trouble kind of understanding the scale and the severity of some of their powers. And so her powers to me were a little bit hard. She's Balrog. Let's just say that. She's Balrog. She has less well, no, I understand. I have no problem. She's super freaking powerful. I have no problem with that at all. I just didn't understand, like, some of them. Like, there was, like, there was a point where she just shoots a person and they're okay. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then she's like, I'm now going to blow up these really big ships and these really big missiles and things like that. And like, oh, okay, cool. So, like, can you scale that down? Is it, is it like a, like a, like, you know... Like there's different settings. On the same line yeah. of that, though, not kind of like talking about the power stuff, but I think the special effects were fantastic. <laughs> it's really hard to make someone pointing their fists at you look pretty good, and they did a really good job of making it seem pretty convincing that there was, you know, she wasn't looking like a fool. You know what I mean? I really liked her her outfit too, like her uniform at the end. It was pretty cool. Yeah, and there's a, there's like a lot the of little everything. There's a lot of little things in there too. Like the helmet is a is from the comic book, but that helmet is a callback to the original Captain Marvel look, which was a guy. Who you know, like the guards that were like watching the Kree or the scrolls, they had that those green helmets with like the mohawk in them. That is the original Captain Marvel helmet, and like there's a little part, you know, when she's just going through her colors and her suit, where yeah. she's white and green for and a little that while. Crazy like pastel, like super super yeah, color one, yeah. neony one. The well, neon, like yeah. there's one where she's all white with green. That's the original Captain Marvel, I you know look, and so the hair and stuff is a homage to the original Captain Marvel, yet it is also a, a rip from the comic. I like it all. I think she looks really cool, and it makes it really easy to CGI her when you put that thing on her head. But uh, overall, I thought like the special effects were really good. I thought she was uh, cool to watch, um, and I, I liked her a lot as a character. Um, the only thing I'd say that... The only other thing I have a little bit of complaint about, and it's not really a complaint, it's more just kind of like a... a uh, pick I guess is that um I think I the I think they could have done a little bit better with the Nick Fury eye thing you know how eventually I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything but like I thought in the first instance where he's with Coulson that things would have went poorly and that's what would have happened right I feel like there's maybe two other things that because I think it's a joke I think there should there was a joke in there somewhere where it was like things keep happening to him where you think that's when it happens and then right. when it does happen it does happen but i think they hit the cutting room floor i think that's what really happened oh i just assumed it was the last thing that happened when when and he was like it's just a scratch and everyone else was like nope no it's not no it's not i thought that no, but i think it would have been funny if they would have like there's a car crash and maybe they did like a rules of three thing where they had three things happen they're like oh this is when it happens this is it and then it doesn't happen and then something as small and minuscule as what happened that did happen is what is the what caused it? I think that would have been a funny, like, um, you know, subverting expectations thing. But I feel like there's maybe like two or three other things that happened that maybe hit the cutting room floor, which would have been funny. Because I thought he was a really good comic relief, you know. Because like in all the other movies, he's so stoic and quiet and so professional. This one, he's still just a young detective of Shield, right? He's a young agent, and he hasn't been destroyed by the realities of the world yet, and he likes a little kitty. You know what I mean? So I was really. Yeah. It was a fun character for him, I thought. So uh, he was like the secret. He in this movie, he's like the secret, uh, uh, like co-star in this. It was a buddy cop film between him and her, and he spent a lot of time on film. And he, but he didn't steal the show. But he still had a lot of really good moments in the movie. He was great comedic relief. He really was. Like it was so surprising to see like after we've seen Nick Fury as a super serious guy for so long, like we see him in this role, and it makes sense because it's twenty something years ago for all this stuff sort of to went down. He's not as like. You know, he, he doesn't have as much baggage on him at this point. So I guess yeah, it's, to, it's, I guess pre-director and pre-man in the wall. So you got kind of like right. He's he's young. So then I guess to close this down, like final thought here is I like the movie and I am really encouraged to see Captain Marvel two, uh, and I hope that the movie itself in the franchise with Brie Larson, I like to th I would love to see it independent of the Avengers stuff. Because right now I feel like so much of this movie is wrapped up and sort of almost forced into a box in some regards in terms of its plotting because of the Avengers storyline, the the Infinity War storyline, I should say. And it's going to be nice to see her kind of kind of break away into her own movie where it's not 
dealing with the this, this sort of Infinity War politics. Um, I do think that the movie itself isn't the isn't the best of the if any I wouldn't put it in the top you know three or four of the movies that we've seen so far. I, I do think we've seen better both ones that have managed to be. I think more escapist fun, like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, like Thor Ragnarok, but also ones that are a little bit more serious and more interesting, like, you know, Civil War or something like that. But it's still a really, really good movie. I love that Marvel is finally being more diverse uh, in their their superheroes. I mean, it took them a really long time, but but now we have, you know, the Wasp, we have Captain Marvel, um, we have Black Widow, who is gonna, she's getting her own movie as well. So that's really great to see. And we're not just sitting on just the same kind of like white male protagonist over and over again. Um, despite being a white male myself, I definitely like seeing the, the, the diversity there. It just makes for, I think, a more engaging and entertaining uh, crowd. And when we went, we went on a Sunday and sort of like a matinee time and we saw all sorts of kids. And it's great that all these kids are actually able to look up at the screen and they're able to find people that they can identify with. And they're not just sort of forced to pick like the same rote people over and over again. I think Captain Marvel is a great new entry. I think that I think that the movie itself could have, I mean, like it, it should have been, it should have come out earlier. Like we should have seen it earlier, not just from a plot perspective, but I thought that the character, what it does, you know, what this character does, what this character means, what it represents. This is too, like Marvel Cinematic Universe, Disney, you should have done this 10 years ago. Like this, this shouldn't have been something you had to wait until the very end to do. Like this, this shouldn't have been some, this shouldn't have been treated so late, treated so, almost like second class. This should have been sooner. And like, that's sort of one of the things that really pisses me off about this is that it took them so long to realize, oh, maybe we should, we should have a more diverse group of people uh, as part of our Avengers cast. You know, maybe, you know, who knows? But that's my final thoughts on it. What about yours? Um, I think that in the end, I'm hypercritical about this because I'm a giant nerd with a baby's mind, basically. But when it comes down to it, this movie's good. And, the, you know, like you said, with the kids in the theater, I had the same thing, too. There's little girls out there that have her and Wonder Woman and, you know, the uh, the main general from uh, Wakanda and all this stuff. Now they have, like, really strong female leads they can get behind and be fans of. And that's really what matters. This is for kids. I'm, I just have a kid's brain. I don't have... I'm not really a kid. So, in the end, this isn't holy for me. You know, yes, it's supposed to be for me to enjoy. But, like, you're going to have little girls this October dressed up as Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman and all stuff. And that's really what matters. You have these people, good characters with a strong message of get up. Even if someone tells you you can't do it, get up and keep fighting if that's what you truly believe in. And that's what really matters with this film. I think it's a really good message for a young audience. And overall, I really enjoyed it. Is there a few little plot holes that could have made it a perfect movie? Sure. But in the end, it doesn't matter. It was like I said, it was like I did the same thing Sunday morning. I enjoyed it with my wife. And in the end, you can't be so cynical about the stuff. It's, it's really, it's a, it's a superhero movie, right? So that's my final thoughts. All right. And so on that note, Justin and I are going to go ahead and do our challenges for the week. And now it's time for the gentleman's challenge. So the Gentleman's Challenge is a segment we do here on the Lollygaggers podcast where Justin and I like to give each other homework assignments. Uh, these homework assignments usually involve watching a TV show or a movie, maybe reading a comic or playing a game. And then to ensure that we completed said homework, we come back on the next episode and we quiz each other about it. Now, this particular segment is definitely spoiler heavy. So if there is a movie or a TV show or a comic that we're about to discuss that you don't want to be spoiled about, it's best to go ahead and experience that for yourself before you actually listen to this segment. Uh, and on that note, uh, let's get started. Justin, I think I want to go first because I want to talk about the cult classic. Because as Justin says, it was a cult classic, Bushwhacked. Okay. Yeah. Or I would, uh, Bushwhacked. Right. I don't so, know what to say. It would be so according to Wikipedia and Rotten Tomatoes, Bushwhacked is a, and this is where you have to imagine me using air quotes, adventure comedy uh, that was released in 1995 and stars Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern, uh, City Slickers. Uh, he was in Home Alone. Uh, he was one of the – him and Joe Pesci were the the people that were trying to get inside the house, etc. Now, Stern plays Max Grabelski, who is a fairly dumbass delivery man whose idiocy is so great, he is duped into being the fall guy. Uh, for this little conspiracy where uh, a rich guy is trying to fake his death. Now, during this suspiciously late night delivery to this rich guy's house, 
Mac wa uh, Max walks in the front door uh, because the door is kind of open and he smells fire and he goes into a room and there's a fire and there might be and there's the presumption that there's the dead man in there. Uh, and then these FBI agents show up, one of whom is super suspicious because he looks like a super suspicious guy. And so immediately, you know, that's the bad guy. Uh, but he doesn't know. Max doesn't know. Uh, and then the FBI agents accuse Max of killing the rich guy. So but somehow Max gets away by jumping out a window and falling on the on the driveway. I don't know, whatever. Uh, he heads for Devil's Peak, uh, which is a mountain range or mountain uh, like hiking trail area because of reasons. Uh, those reasons seem to involve him calling one of the people that he worked with and then telling him where the next delivery was supposed to take place. And the plot itself was just sort of whatever. Uh, and. So Max flees the city. He tries to he steals a car and he tries to flee the city because there's all sorts of news stories about the rich guy being murdered by very specifically Max Grabelski. They have a picture of him shown on the TV and all that kind of stuff. Um, so as he is driving en route to uh, to Devil's Peak, he stops at this little uh, little convenience store and there he manages to switch cars with the super ranger scout leader because there's this whole other storyline that's happening where these bunch of kids who don't have a good scout leader want to do an overnight because they're ranger scouts and they want to get their badges and the mother of one of the of one of the scouts hires a professional super ranger scout and this is who max grabelski runs into at this convenience store and as the super scout leader recognizes Grabelski as being like the killer guy, uh, Grabelski manages to manages to sort of trick him, and then the worlds. And so then what happens is they take each other uh, other's cars. So Max takes the scout leader's car, and the scout leader is forced and glued to the car that Max stole, and they go their separate ways. So then what happens is that as as Max continues to head north to Devil's Peak, he is stopped by the world's worst state trooper. Uh, because apparently that state trooper has not been paying attention to any of the news uh, and the information about there being a potential killer, but whatever. Uh, but he finds Max, and Max starts to try to come clean about everything. But again, because the state trooper is the worst, he just escorts Max to this park so that Max can serve as the overnight scout leader because it's this case of mistaken identity at this point. And so despite the fact that he's wearing like Italian loafers and he's wearing like a leather jacket, the mother, worst mother ever, uh, assumes that, oh, yeah, that, that's totally him. And he has no gear. And he and she lets all these kids go with him out into the wilderness on this hike. So, yeah, that that's that. Uh, and then a bunch of stuff happens. <laughs> like, that's what I wrote in the middle of my summary. Stuff happens. Uh, parents, the parents learn that Max isn't who he says he, that he is. A manhunt begins, which is led by that same suspicious FBI guy and also the Super Ranger Scout leader. Uh, the kids also eventually figure out uh, that Max is not who he says is, says he is. They turn on Max, uh, but they start to bond nonetheless because that's the type of movie this is. At a certain point, they all look at a Playboy together, which, you know, that's wholesome comedy. Uh, one of the kids flies off a cliff at the end but doesn't die, so there's that. Um, let's see what else I wrote in my notes. Yada, yada, yada. Max is exonerated for murder. Uh, the stupid kids get their stupid badges. Uh, but they get even better badges than they originally wanted because they originally wanted their tenderfoot badges. But because they helped catch a, you know, a corrupt FBI agent or whatever and like a killer guy or whatever, uh, they got even better uh, badges now. Max becomes an official scout leader now because he's exonerated and he's assigned like 50 kids to do an overnight in Yosemite, uh, whatever. And then in my notes, I wrote, uh, quote, who gives a uh, So that's Bushwhacked, the classic, right. the cult classic. Okay. Justin, you are no longer allowed to pick, quote, cult classics because your understanding of what a cult classic is, I don't think... I love this movie as a kid. It's good. There's a difference between you loving this movie and this movie being a cult classic. I did some it's research. Not bad. I did, no, I did some research. There is literally nobody else in the world who likes this movie. Oh, Even that's... Daniel Stern hates this movie. That's like, there is nobody who... Ann Dowd is in this movie, and Ann Dowd is amazing in the left and Leftovers, the television show on HBO that was on for three years. And That's where I remember. Even it from. she hates this as well. Everyone hates this. This is this is such a bad movie, and the and and for Justin to give this the quote cult classic treatment is an insult to other cult classics. So what did I think of it? I think it was great. No, it was horrible. It was a, it was a terrible movie. That's a good move. There was nothing good or redeemable about this movie. Okay, it's an adventure comedie, right? It's it's an it's a comedy. I kept waiting for the comedy, 
and it never came. I didn't laugh a single this time. This kid's the peed on a guy. Didn't see, didn't see. I didn't laugh a single time. I didn't. There was not a single moment in here that was funny enough for me to actually laugh out loud to. And in terms of the adventure, whatever. Like okay, like there are a bunch of kids. None of them are gonna get hurt. Like it's like there's no danger. There's no real stakes. Like it's just it's not really adventure, right? I get it. But yeah, like I honestly feel that this is this is quite possibly. Uh, it's probably bottom two or three things I've ever had to watch on the show oh, so far. Come it's on. that bad. Justin has in when when Justin's given cult classics, he's given out Ninja Three from the '80s that no one ever wants, or maybe it was four. No one ever wants to talk about. I don't even I don't even think people even know it exists, nor should they. Cabin Boy, and this right. This is the these are what you consider cult class. You, you just you fool. You're a fool. Yeah, they're You're good. A fool. They're good. They're good films. I, cinema. I have nothing good to say about this movie. Like, nothing. Like, it's just, I can't even make fun of it because it's just, I feel bad. I feel like I'm picking on, you know, I feel like I'm punching down because uh, it's so dumb. And uh, it's not even, like, good dumb. Um, let's see. Was there any good moments? Like, there was a point where he freaking, like, I'm supposed to believe that this guy doesn't know what a beehive looks like. Because there's this one yeah, moment where this, all the kids. It looks like a football. Are picking pine cones because they want to make a they want to they want to make a fire and he finds a really really big pine cone. Well, everyone knows that it's a freaking honeycomb. Like it's a it's a beehive. Everyone can see it. Anyone can see it. He can, he's holding around. He's holding like it's a football. He's telling the kids to go along, etc. And the bees get loose. Yada yada yada. It's and called it's suspension like, of disbelief. All right. You have to give me reason to do so. Like, what breaks suspension of disbelief is when there's moments that don't seem realistic or that break the logic of the actual film. And that he just had brain damage from realistic. that falling iron. That's what happened. That's why he's like that. Well, did you know that this was originally supposed to be a sequel? <laughs> this was supposed to be a spin-off sequel to Home Alone. That's what it says. He's supposed, on... to, be, he's supposed to be Harry from Home Alone. That's that's what it says on on Wikipedia. The film was originally conceived as a spin-off film to the Home Alone franchise, with Daniel Stern reprising his Harry, role. Be, he'd be Marv as reformed Marv, explaining Max Grabelsky's similar appearance and personality to Marv because he's just stupid. He's walking around like like chewing gum, like he's a cow, like like a mouth wide open, etc. I don't know. What are yeah. you doing, Marv? I right, see. So ready for your uh, your great questions then? Sure, for this do great it. Movie? Bring it. Bring it. It's like it's just not good. Just it's not. I just if you. I think I have something to make up for today. So okay. I'm like, trying to strike so gold. Bad. I just this. I really don't trust you anymore when it comes to you. I'm trying to strike gold. Cult classics. Okay. When you do, dude, like cult classics. You don't, man. This is ridiculous. Yeah, it's just not good. It's it. not good. This three ninjas, surf ninjas, anything with ninjas. Oh, I totally Anyways. forgot about. I thought I got the ninja one. Yeah, the other ninja one, too. Yeah. All right, yeah, so. They're terrible. How did they identify the body, and how did the detective describe it? So, when they know, the building burnt on fire and all stuff, and they said they identified the body. How did they identify right. the body, and how did the detective describe it? With uh, teeth. And he held, he like, the one younger of the FBI agents who was in uh, the U.S. Marshals uh, uh, in, uh, in Fugitive Movies. Uh, he uh, he held up a little little lunch bag, a little sandwich bag filled, filled with the teeth. <laughs> so how did he describe it though i'll give you i'll give you that um bonus 2.5 i don't know i had it on 5. mute for most of the time so I'm okay really sure. well uh that's all i remember about it that's he goes we identified it by his teeth and it was really gross that's the way he said it, it was funny that's a funny movie anyways you get one it's minute. really not a funny movie at all all right you're, you're the only one who thinks that when they end up at the crossroads to figure out which peak they're going to and the kids are trying to decide which trail to go on that's when they define Devil's Peak, and they figure out where it's at. Looking at the signs, how far away was Devil's Peak from those crossroads for them to kind of scale? It was in the 20s. It was like maybe, was it 23 or 28 miles? Something, or, or I guess it was miles. I'm going to need a firm answer. Uh, you, and, you and your specific numbers, again. There's um, a big difference in 23 miles and 28 miles, Jeffrey. I'm sorry. It was in the 20s. It's what I remember. All the other ones are relatively close. Um. I don't know, 28. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm I'll give you half credit because you did mention it. So it was 23 miles. So I'll give you half credit for that. So there you go. I get half credit for that? Yeah. Well, you went with the wrong answer. But know. because you showed your work, you know what I mean? I got to give you how half do credit. You, how do you have a job as an educator? Kids show their work and there's the right answer in there. I'm willing to give it to them and circle and say you get half off. Anyways. I thought you don't do any of the grading. I thought your teaching partner does all the grading. I do sometimes. Anyways. Mm. Uh Explain the birds and the bees from the kids' perspective. 
So how do the kids describe the birds and the bees? So uh, a man and a woman go into a room uh, and the woman has to take off her shirt and the man has to take off his shirt. But then there's disagreement over whether or not the man has to take off his shirt. Uh, Yeah, and that's what I remember. You are correct, sir. And then they then make a joke later on that he basically shows them how to have sex with two Barbie dolls. With the dolls. Yeah, I mean, it's super, it's super wholesome. It's so funny. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's Uh all for the kids. All right, so you got that one. Uh, Next one. What did uh, Dr. Polanski treat Milton for? So, like, he says uh, his name accidentally. And then because they found out who he was. And then he said, I didn't say your name. I said, Dr. Polinsky. And he treated me for this. And I will also take what the problem was. Like, there was an actual name for it, which was a dumb name. But if you can't get that, just tell me exactly what the situation was. Okay. I'll take that as well. I need, I need ultimate science because I actually remember this scene. You know, now that I edit it the way we edit it, I can hear if you are frantically typing on your computer. So, no. No, no, I definitely remember this scene. Treated me. It wasn't for Vertigo, because he mentioned he had Vertigo on the bridge. That's not it. Oh, man. I definitely remember the scene, but I can't quite remember what actually happened, what he said. Treated him for... Definitely wasn't a micro penis. That wasn't it either. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't it either. Um, <laughs> I don't remember. That would take I totally a hard remember turn the scene. this movie. If that's what I it was. totally remember. I don't think it's that hard to turn. The doctor said I had a micro penis. They all looked at a Playboy together, which is very wholesome. I guess in 1995, it was cool to do that with kids. Kids are different back then. I don't. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. So I, I can the visualize the scene. I just can't remember. The condition was called cryptodorcatism. Um, and it was an undescended testicle that he had. So that was I was it. close with the micro penis, and in the in the and he could feel the testicle rising back up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there we go. Last question: What type of knot was used to tie up the mother in the cabin? What type of knot was? Remember, he's going to like it's not a it's not a uh, figure eight knot. It's not this. What was the something actual? cross switch? It was like a like a herb cross switch or something like that. I'll give you 50%. It was a clover hitch is what it was. Clover, clover hitch. hitch. I knew there was a hitch so or, or something. So we got ourselves one uh, and a half. Then we I do think – I do want to appeal to the 23 three. and 28-mile one. Like the other ones I totally think you're totally Sorry, buddy. Right like there. I said, I saw the work Your obsession did. with getting the specific numbers of things is super obnoxious. I noticed the work. It was good work. Um, is super obnoxious and really makes me want to just do horrible things to your quiz. It was a bad rounding. It's okay. Um, But, you know, it's three points, right? It's three. It's not not bad. All right. There you go. Justin, what did you have for homework? So I was assigned uh, Abbott, written by Saladin Ahmed, and also by Jason Wordy. The art was by Sammy Kavala. It's like a it's got a weird Asante goo at the end of the last the A, so I'm sure it's bad how I wrote that or I said that. Um, so overall, the story takes place in the 70s. It, it's about this woman, uh, Abbott, who is a reporter for a local newspaper, and she kind of like breaks news on stuff that most people won't touch. She's a female black reporter in the 70s, so that alone is a rough go as it is. Uh, she does not have the white privilege card, as I would say. Um, so... She goes around reports or the male things. privilege card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she goes around reports on things people usually don't because she's not afraid. Anyways, people don't like her, so she might as well just do what she wants to do. And one of the most recent ones she reported on a fourteen-year-old boy who was uh, beaten to death by police, and she kind of like does an expose on the police, and that was un- un- unwarranted police brutality, and that the boy died on. on you know, it kind of like rings very true to stuff that's going on these days of the stuff uh, with like. Uh, uh, brutalities of cop and then also like uh inadvertent shootings and stuff like that anyways um she goes to uh investigate another uh thing that happened where a horse had its head cut off and so she thinks it might the the, the authorities and the reporters think it might have something to do with uh the black panthers as a retaliation against the cops for killing this 14 year old boy 
Um, and so she goes to investigate. When she goes there, she has a weird reaction to this horse. It has, like, this weird smoke around its head. Um, and uh, she has, like, a really strange, like, adverse reaction to it. She talks to the police officer. She says, you know, this has really nothing to do with uh, the Black Panthers. She talks to a couple of her friends at a diner, uh, one of which has a bit of a, a connection with the Black Panthers. She says it's not really what they would do, even though he knows that they're upset. It's not really their M.O. Um, and so she basically is starting to investigate this killing at the at the barn. Meanwhile, uh, she's kind of like reporting on this, and the higher-ups in the paper uh that she works for are not very happy with her because they're, you know, uh, both sexist and racist and don't like her being on the, on the payroll, let alone the stuff she's been reporting on. Uh, one of which is a little bit vocal about what he really thinks of her, uh, and the words that he uses, um, which I'm sure is, uh, warranted for that time of, of, of the century. Um, but, uh, she kind of gets told to kind of like just cool off a little bit, but she still says, I'm going to do my job. Uh, she then gets called by her ex-husband to go investigate another crime that happened in this crime. She goes to the building and the building has uh, a man's torso removed. It's just a pair of legs. Now the legs are also covered in this weird black mist, so she has this adverse reaction to it. And uh, she tells her ex-husband that, you know, it's happening again. She's not really thrilled about what's going on. Uh, he basically tells her to be careful. When she heads back home, she gets attacked in an alley by some big old shadow monster with, like, a kabuki mask. Um, and it stabs her in the hand. Uh, she then tries to try and uh, investigate what's going on because in the past she had a boyfriend from Africa that uh, when they were younger he was killed by this giant shadow monster a la uh, Lost and she kind of witnessed this thing and it's basically this this shadow monster is coming back into her life with these different murders that are going on um and the thing that attacked her also had the same thing she goes and talks to a couple of uh people that might know a few things one of which is an old friend of hers that works a tarot shop and like a like a hippy dippy shop with bongs and stuff and he basically tells her that she's the light and he talks a whole bunch of uh mumbo jumbo uh, she doesn't really believe him. She just thinks that he's just kind of high all the time. And then she goes and tries to uh, investigate a few other things. And she's on her way to the airport or wherever. I think it was a train. She's on her way to the train. This giant minotaur black guy uh, draped in... Uh, uh, minotaur or centaur? Like I think it was a, centaur, I think yeah. you mean centaur. Centaur, centaur, centaur black centaur. man. My bad. My bad. Centaur <laughs> black man uh, chases her down and like runs her off the road and hits her into a pole. So I only read the first two comics because they were the free ones. Um, with the, with if you have if you have unlimited on comics, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, yeah, and that's kind of where it ends. It's a good hook. Um, what do I think about the story? So the story is good. Um, my only complaint I have about it, you can tell this man's a novelist because he does what old comic books used to do, where they describe everything that's happening and they don't leave it a lot to like the reader to find out over time like my only complaint about the book is like he literally when they're talking she's talking to her ex-husband and calls her her ex-husband they give each other the the uh the exposition in conversation which i think it's better revealed over time but i guess they're just trying to get it out of the way i don't really like that a ton with my comic books i like stuff to be kind of like shown with visuals and stuff like that which they did in the second comic because in the second comic she gets in contact with a old friend at a bar who was clearly some type of lover and they showed a lot of that through visuals it was a female uh woman that gives her a gun it was a like, sister of somebody i can't it was the sister of the bartender yeah that's who it was and they kind of left more to suggestion there which that's the type of like that's where i was like okay i like this type of talking that that's the type of like storytelling i like i hate the old style x-men where it's like i'm going to shoot him with my laser blast now like Let's just let's let's have the reader infer some information by just reading the stuff and be be a little bit more cryptic, I guess, because the he really just lays it on the table, which is more novelist in my eyes, I guess. Um, but I I really do think that the story was good. It's just some of the some of the talking back and forth. You're like you're a Hemingway action. guy, you know. You you you're yeah. an appreci- you're appreciative of like iceberg theory, right? Which is like only give as much as needed and then cut a little bit away and then let just just to show you know, I, I just show the that. tip and then, you know, the big problem underneath like an iceberg, yeah, like you could like you said, infer it or you know I was gonna say tip. that. I was gonna say Hemingway, but you took it right on the Yeah. Right. 
I figured Anyways. I figured that's where you were going. I figured that's where you're going with it, you know. Uh the art is interesting, it's very old school. It very actually it shows very much like an old seventies book with the coloring and the way it looks. Uh it's very at times noir, but also not. It feels very exploitative black films sometimes, the way they kind of like show some stuff, but the, the it it's not really. It's just a really cool art design of like a very classic seventies look. Um, I was a little iffy on the art, to be honest. Like I like to start the, off, I was. Yeah, I, I think I, part of it, I think, was because it was just it was just like, like it was real world, right? Like some of the other comics I've been reading are, are, are so like fantastical at times, or so like super science fictiony. Like if I think about Die, like we're in this magically other world, right? And so you can do all sorts of crazy stylistic things and saturation and whatnot. This was just trying to present a very realistic view of the world. Yeah, but. Where it kind of won me over is when the tendril demon stuff starts happening. Like, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's the or, or ghosts or whatever the hell they actually are. Um, I thought that stuff was pretty, particularly cool. There's this one uh, cell I really, really liked where um, this, I think this was after uh, Elena was attacked and she was in the hospital and her boss came to see her and was talking to her and she was thinking about something. And what I really liked is how we see like her in profile and we see her boss standing behind her in the doorway. Yeah, that was cool. Like, and she's got the memory head. of what happened and like in her head, like you can still see her like the front of her face and everything that, but like sil- like in the silhouette of her head, you can see like as a way to convey the idea that this is what she's thinking about. You can see the the image of that kind of purpley shadowy uh, attacker that uh, and I thought that was really really cool. So I hope that in you know the the, few, the rest of the comic they actually start to to push in that direction more and, and really start to expand and and let the art and the actual reality of the situation sort of intertwine a little bit better. Which I don't mind a classic look at all. Um, I don't mind a simplistic. The best way I could kind of describe it would be. There used to be an old comic in the funny papers that was uh, there was like a writer with like a long pointy nose. It was always in the in the uh, Sunday newspaper. Talking about Doonesbury, maybe Doonesbury. Yeah, Doonesbury was a little bit more uh, is serious. That, is anything like it? <laughs> well, just, it's, like it's more of a, it's more of a it's more of a realistic look than like your normal uh, like fantastical feel, which is, is it's a more grounded thing. But you know, sometimes people can, take it makes sense considering what the story's way. about. Yeah. I mean, it totally makes sense considering what the story's about, et cetera, where it's set. But I like those moments cause I do really get hooked on art sometimes. So like even like sometimes the art will get me before the story does. In this case, it was the other way around. Like I was actually really into the story before. That I is what actually got me into comic books is artists. That's what always draws me. And this person is very basic, which I don't have a problem with it, but like, you probably would have wow. hooked me a little bit better, basic? like you said. You well, basic. Just, Did you just do yeah, a yeah. you basic? Oh my god, Jeff, that's yeah, yeah. so insulting. You probably would have pulled me in more if it was outlandish or had a unique style, because I think that's really where. Because comics have now, to me, are more art than they are. You know, story's good, but story within itself is art. But like, I love a good visual piece. So, but other than that, like the characters were fleshed out pretty well. I'm curious to see what happens next because it's it's like taking a normal whodunit and then flipping a supernatural take on it as well which is interesting but um it was good but uh, i'm probably gonna wait till some more available i think they're gonna keep on doing it you know after a couple weeks put some more unlimited so because i think boom studios has like a, a deal with comiXology where they do release a lot of their stuff on unlimited at times so if that's what they keep on doing i'll probably read it like that so so, yeah. Did you did you look into whether it's still going on? Um, because the last issue that dropped was back in May thirty May thirtieth twenty eighteen, and that was issue five. Did you ever? Yeah, did, I didn't see did it. It, it, might, end, be, it might be completed then. If it's if it's completed, I'll probably finish it up then. I'll have to look into it a little bit more. All I did was read those first two. I assumed it was an ongoing series, but I guess I thought it was that. a mini series. Uh, and that's what I'm checking Wikipedia, and Wikipedia has as a five issue mini series. So yeah, then it's probably all wrapped up. Then I'll probably. So that's it. one of the reasons I was interested problems. in it. I think that's why I put it on my wish list because I've been kind of hunting for like a completed series. So. So yeah, that's my uh, review of it. It's good um, and interesting. And now that I know it's only five comics, I don't feel like I have to read thirty of them. So I'll probably finish it up then easily. I know it's pretty exciting. All right, you ready for your uh, ready for your quiz? I guess um, we'll see how it goes. Okay, 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 okay. Since you like numbers, I'm going to go out of order here. Since you like numbers, we're going to start with the numbers. What's the $25,000 question, Justin? Oh, boy. Uh, $25,000 question is who, who cut a man in half? Or how do you cut a man in half like that? 
Ooh, I'm sorry. That's incorrect. The the $25,000. You're, you're on the right track, but it's where's the rest of the body? Oh, God. That's the $25,000 question. So you're on the right track, but I'm sorry. Yeah, 0. 0.25? 0. 0.25? Maybe, maybe if you would have shown your work. Uh, I oh, you're right. You're right. You yeah, that. That's the problem. That's the problem. You can't give them anything. They don't show work. You're right. You're right. No, which, which serial killers from our, you know, from popular culture um, were mentioned by name? In reference to what was going on in the actual book, there's so, Zodiac, um, Zodiac Killer. I think Gacy was one of them. I think it was those. That's two. incorrect, Justin. That is, in, that is incorrect. the The correct answer was Zodiac, so you got half. And Norman Bates. Norman oh, okay. Bates, psycho Killer. Every time, every time they mention Psycho Killer, I just got like talking heads stuck in my head. All right, so that's fifty percent then, right? Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right, that's okay, a point five. Okay, that's a scrape them points as much as I can, you know. Justin, what kind of car does Elena drive? Oh, boy. What does she drive? Is it... Oh, no. What does she drive? Is it a caddy? I'm sorry, that's incorrect, Justin. The correct answer is a 1966 Mustang V8. Oh, yeah, because it's like the last thing she says. I know. That's why I'm really surprised you didn't get that one right, because you said you only read the two issues. I thought you would have gotten that one. So stupid. Okay, Justin, uh, what song, and who is it by, uh, does Elena listen to that brings her various flashbacks? Oh, I don't know. That's the thing where, like, I saw a thing, I didn't recognize the album, and I didn't recognize the song. It's like the same line over and over, so I don't know. I legitimately don't know. So the correct, I mean, it, it, the, the, I get that the album is sort of, it's a one cell thing, but it actually is repeated later on. Um, I don't think it's the same album, but it's by John Coltrane. It is Love Supreme, uh, but Love Supreme yeah, is repeated multiple, just, like multiple times over the course of a couple of different cells. That was one thing when reading it where I was like, yeah, I don't know what this song is. And then final question, Justin, where is Hippie Haven? Oh, what was that? It was the, it was Plum was plum something plum was a plum drive it was uh the plum street aquarium but it was also plum street um so that's a 50 percent. i'm gonna give you a 0.25 you didn't get the aquarium part and you didn't get the right uh designation of street but you did get plums i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you 0.25 or so so let's see let's see that gives you a 0.75 out of five look at that that's pretty good you know sometimes that's really not it's terrible you gotta set the curve you know so like i'm i'm helping others out so i'm really surprised that you got the john coltrane question wrong because it was it was pretty clear uh i'm really surprised that you got the mustang question wrong uh i i figure i would catch you on the twenty five thousand dollar question you know who's not surprised everyone who's listening yeah yeah, I have I hold you to higher standards, Justin, because, you know, it's a mantra here. In you, like really you really hold shouldn't hold students to a high standard and, and they'll meet those standards. You hold them to really? a low standard, then they'll sink to those standards. You're making as well. a terrible mistake. I got to tell you. All so. right. You ready for new challenges? Yes, I am. All right. So you have a lot to atone for uh, this week because Bushwhacked. Again, if it wasn't clear, and it might not have been, because I don't know, I was, I might have been equivocating. Bushwhacked is a terrible movie okay. that nobody should watch. If that there is. were some sort of serum that we all could take collectively to expunge it from our memories, that'd be great. And if Hulu, who is currently airing Bushwhacked, if they're listening to this, listen, Hulu, you you could clear up some of the, some of your space. Uh, I mean, in, in your cloud or whatever it is that you use to store these things, because bushwhacked ain't ain't great. It ain't. Good and then we all have our own that. opinions. It's okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I understand that, but it is a fact that this is a terrible movie. So it has an eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. 11%. I think I think I have something to make up for it, though. I think. Okay, I is it bushwhacked two electric boogaloo? Electric boogaloo, yes. <laughs> so um, I went on Netflix and Hulu started scouring. Immediately when I got on Netflix, the first preview that came up, because now like on the on the, commer- on the uh, website, like the previews come on, like the front banner page, uh, a very archy feel show came on. It's like brand new to Netflix. And I looked at this and like... Is it The I Order? 
Yes, it is the order. I was going to have you do that. Oh, my God. Oh, this has never happened before. Yeah. What is going on? Oh, my. Uh, what do we do? Do we do, do a double quiz? Do we, I we, think we do a double quiz. It's double quiz. I think it's a double quiz. I think that's what we got to do. Oh, uh, my God. Holy crap. This is crazy. I saw uh, it. I'm like, I bet you Jeff's going to love this. So. I probably am. I mean, it's it's super I serious am teenagers. Legitimately you know? taken aback, my friend. I I'm amazed. Like when I saw like the little scene where he walks into the room, and they all got those creepy masks on and stuff. Like honestly, animal skull helmet masks. Like that's the coolest crap. Like that and plague masks. I love that stuff. Plus, so. his eyes are super blue and and dreamy. So I was like, Just I mean, he's this. not. You know, he's not. He's not Archie, but like he's yeah, he's he's, he's solid. But who he can't is. be, right? Who can't be? That's true. That's true. But I have seen him in something. I don't know right. why. So but it's, it's like a double a show, challenge. It's a show about werewolves and witches. Should we watch just two, or should we watch more than two? What should we do? I say because we don't have to quiz each other on different things. I say we watch four. Okay. 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 I can do that. That's, I can do that. Let's do that. that. Sounds good to me. Wow. This is a first for the Lollygaggers podcast. <laughs> I'm, That's I'm amazing. Excited. I'm excited. I have it right here. The order, comma. And what we can do is Netflix. you quiz me on first two. I quiz you on second two. Hmm. We could do that. That could work. We can, we can do that. We can do that. We can do it. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. We could definitely. We can definitely do that. All right. All right. I think it's time for us to stop recording because people don't want to listen to us anymore. Uh, so if you uh, if you wouldn't mind, if you'd be so kind, you can uh, hop on the old internet, find us on a variety of different locations. Uh, you can catch us on our website, lollygaggerco.com. You can catch me on Twitter at lollygaggerco. Uh, you can get Justin on Twitter at jdbuys. Uh, Justin, you can also find on Twitch uh, at twitch.tv slash jehufa. Uh, if you would be so kind, why don't you go ahead and drop us a little subscribe or review or some sort of like or whatever sort of system it is you're using, a thumbs up, a star, whatever it might be. And if iTunes is the thing that you're using, we could definitely uh, use, uh, use some friendly reviews there. Uh, Justin, I would like to, to say something funny. And the reason I want you to do this is because I was promised an adventure comedy in Bushwhack and I got none. I got no comedy. So please end this episode by saying something funny. So there's this family going to a comic show, and they ask them, what is your act? And they say, we're called the Aristocrats. And all right, so what they do in their show is they start describing it. So the, the mother and the father, they bait, I probably should. Are you doing the Aristocrats joke right now? Buddy, good night, everybody. The Aristocrats. <laughs>